0: Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. We began on Wednesday night to look at being overwhelmed by God. Being overwhelmed by God. Sometimes when we think of being overwhelmed, our minds immediately go to the the situations of life that can be overwhelming. If you know the backstory of the song we just sang, It Is Well With My Soul, you know that Horatio Spafford was at a time in his life when he could have felt very, he did feel very overwhelmed. and So we understand there are those kind of moments. But the the idea of being overwhelmed is something that is beyond our understanding. It's more than we can fathom. We can't quite get our minds around it. And there are times when the nature and the person of God ought to overwhelm us. It ought to be more than we can get our minds around. We saw Wednesday night... Isaiah being overwhelmed by the glory of God. I am glad for a God who is glorious. And I'm glad that he not only is glorious, he expresses that glory purposefully for us to experience that glory and for us to give him glory. And that is often takes place in our lives in personal devotion, personal worship, but also when we come together into the house of God and God manifests in a very particular special way his glory. Aren't you glad that some, even though we know He's glorious, I'm glad when God manifests His glory to us. This morning, I want you to see the truth in Psalm 107, being overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Being overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Now, I, I wanted to say this, some, you know, sometimes it's, it's become uh, more familiar in, in recent years uh, sometimes you'll we'll hear Christians say it to each other. Sometimes you'll hear a pastor say it and the congregation respond. But we make the statement, God is good. And then people respond all the time, all the time, and they respond, God is good. And that, that truth is biblical, and that is, it's right. God is good, and God is good all the time. But the question that I would ask us this morning is this. Um, are we ready to say at all times in our lives... God is good. See, we we think about really two aspects of of the goodness of God. We think about the essence of God's goodness, and we know absolutely that is true all the time. In His essence, in His nature, God is a good God. So for us to say God is good all the time, we know that to be true. But we sort of distinguish the experience of God's goodness when God does good things to us. We, we think actions being good sort of indicate, and we know in God's case that's the case. But uh, sometimes when, you know, when I was a kid, I would do something and they would say, oh, he's such a good boy. Now, I didn't hear that real often when I was a kid, so I treasured the moments that I did. But we equate experience with goodness. Uh, you know, uh, little Jack Horner sat in the corner eating his Christmas pie. He stuck in his thumb and pulled out a seven of y'all knew that that's amazing and said what a good boy am i and some great theology in those old rhymes but that's not one of them <laughs> that's the that's the expression of understanding if something good happens to us that moment is good and so we think if good things are happening i, I remember reading uh from Corey ten boom Corey ten boom if you're not familiar with her story her family, Dutch Christians that hid the Jews, helped hide Jews during World War II, were thrown into Nazi concentration camps because of it. And she, this is what she said about this. She said, often I hear people say, how good God is. We prayed for good weather for our church picnic, and the weather was good. We're certainly praying for good weather tonight, for a patriotic explosion. And we will say, boy, that was an answer to prayer. God is good. But she said, God is good when he sends good weather. But God was also good when he allowed my sister to starve to death in front of my eyes in a German concentration camp. Are in those times, are we ready to say God is good all the time? When he's not acting as we think he should or as we would like to see him? She said, I remember a time in the camp when there was darkness in my heart. I remember telling my sister that I thought God had forgotten us. She said, no, Corey, he has not forgotten us. Remember his word. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those that fear him. Corey goes on to say there is an ocean of God's love and goodness available. There is plenty for everyone. To be overwhelmed by the goodness of God is to recognize that beyond the essence of God that is good, And beyond our clear experience that God is good, when He sends the good weather that we look for, or He sends the rain that many people are praying for now, and we would say God is good. There are things that God has done and is doing in our lives that at any moment in time, we can say experientially, God is still good. I want you to see in Psalm 107 an example of this. As we read this, I'm going to read just the first few verses, and then I'm going to hit some verses throughout the chapter. In verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is, say it with me, good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, let me pause there a minute and and sort of explain that first phrase of that verse. Sometimes we say that what's supposed to be said is that we are redeemed. And we certainly should say I've been redeemed. I am saved. We should be willing to testify of that. But if you put this in the context of what he's just said, he's just said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed, the redeemed, ought to be the first ones who are saying God is good. We ought to be the ones that are quick to say his mercy endures forever. He goes on to say, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east, the west, the north, from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. And they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Verse 8 Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his, say it with me, goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Drop down to verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Do you see the refrain of this song when we sing songs, particularly hymns, you sing a verse and then you sing a chorus and you sing the second verse and a chorus and you skip the third verse in Baptist churches and you go to the fourth verse, the first, second, and the last, the most quoted words in a, in a Baptist church. Someone said the most neglected thing in this world is the third verse in a Baptist hymnal, and that's certainly true. But we know the chorus, and we sing the chorus three or four times every time we sing the song. So most people will know the chorus, or as it's often called, the refrain. The refrain is the central truth that the verses sort of expound upon, but it's that central truth that the song is going to communicate. This psalm is divinely inspired to do the same thing. And between these verses, these scripture verses, they tell us the accounts of God's goodness to his people. And then we get to that refrain and it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. What is the theme of this song? What is the refrain of this song? What is that truth that the author, the the, the divinely inspired author, wants to be repeated over and over in our minds? He wants us to know that God is good and that we should praise Him for that goodness. We should be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. As we look at this, I I want you to see some truths here that with each of these admonitions, verse 1, verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, verse 31, with each of those admonitions, he gives us reasons that God is still good regardless of my circumstances. You may look at your circumstances and you may find it difficult to see the goodness of God, but I want you to know that God is at work regardless of what is taking place look with me if you will first of all in verse 2 I no matter what is happening God is good because he has saved my soul if you're glad you're saved this morning say amen Amen. aren't you glad for the goodness of God look what he says in verse 2 let the redeemed of the Lord say so say that he is good whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, the north and the south. He begins to describe the redemption of God's people. And it is our salvation that gives us a reason to rejoice. It gives us a reason to see and understand the goodness of God. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 tells me that it is the goodness of God that brings me to repentance It is the goodness of God that brought me to a place of salvation. When you heard the gospel, when you trusted Christ, you heard the gospel. It is the goodness of God that allowed you to hear the gospel. It is the goodness of God that preserved you long enough to hear the gospel. It is the goodness of God that is expressed through the gospel. That God in His goodness sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross, to pay for our sins. That is His goodness expressed. And so when we hear the gospel, it is the goodness of God that brings us to the place. Wherever you were when you trusted Christ as your Savior... Some of you may have been at home. Somebody was visiting you. Some of you may have been in a church service. Some of you may have been like me, riding down the road in a car and somebody led you to Christ. Maybe someone at work. But wherever you were, it was not man that brought you to that place. It was the goodness of God that brought you to a place of salvation. God is good because he has saved my soul. Nothing, listen to me carefully, nothing bad in my life can ever outweigh the goodness of God And his grace and salvation. I know some of you have been through some tough things, some of you have been through some hard things, but it does not change the truth that God is good. Uh, I could, you know what, I could starve to death. That's not in danger of happening, I'm I know, but I could starve to death praising the Lord for his goodness. Why? Because he saved my soul. And it doesn't matter what happens in a temporary matter in this life, I have eternal life. Through Jesus Christ and that is the goodness of God second truth that I want you to see is that no matter what's taking place in my life God is good because he is the one that is, secures my salvation do you so, see what he describes this in verse two he has redeemed me from the hand of the enemy God is good because he secures our salvation he has redeemed me he has bought me out of the bondage of sin Redeem means to buy back. You and I were lost in sin, but Jesus Christ paid the price to redeem us, to purchase us, and now I am His purchased possession. I belong to Him. You belong to Him. That is the goodness of God. My salvation is not based on my goodness. Oh, man, I am so, so glad that my salvation is not based on my goodness. You know why? Because... Even at my best, my goodness is nothing but filthy rags in the sight of God. The Bible says that our righteousness is plural. All the righteousness that we can do is nothing but filthy rags to God. So if we think that somehow our our salvation is held and secured because we're doing so good or we're doing our best, God looks at our best and He says, that's terrible. But he looks at the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has purchased me and bought me out of the bondage of sin and has redeemed me. And he says, I see them as righteous in Christ. And that is the basis of my salvation. That is the basis of where I am. The, Jesus said, uh, I, no man can pluck them out of my father's hand. He said, no man can pluck them out of my hand. The Father that gave them to me is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of the Father's hand. Like the old country preacher said one time, he said, when I got saved, Jesus wrapped his hand around me. And he said, then the Father wrapped his big old hand around that, and he said, the Holy Spirit sealed me therein. And he said, ever since that day, the devil's been going up and down the road saying, where'd he go, where'd he go? Why? Because we are secure in the Father's hands. And that is something that we can rejoice in the goodness of God no matter what is taking place. There is nothing that can happen to me. There is nothing terrible that can happen. Nothing that can take place that changes my security in the hands of the Heavenly Father. I can lay my head on my pillow at night and rest in that because I'm in His hands. Praise the Lord. Oh, that men would praise the lord for his goodness will you praise him for his goodness oh that men and women would praise the lord for his goodness i know that god is good all the time because he sanctifies my life look at verse seven he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation now this is a particular path that he's leading his people to a particular place what What path is he leading me In what place is he leading me? He is guiding me as the good shepherd in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And he is moving me toward a determined destination. He is getting me from where I am to where I need to be. Now I want to say that over the last three years, I have been very thankful for the map systems on my phone. Some of you have lived around Sampson County and Harnett County for your whole life, and you know it like the back of your hand. But I don't know the back of my hand all that great, and I don't know my way around, but I love that I can put in a destination, and I can follow the instructions, and it gets me to a predetermined place. It gets me to where I need to go. Now, that hasn't helped me a whole lot in learning directions because I'm so reliant On my phone. If my phone ever goes dead, I'm just going to stay at home and not go anywhere because I don't know how to get to places. But it gives us that destination. Let me tell you that the predetermined destination for us as believers is to be like Jesus Christ. We were saved. We were were predetermined to be to the glory of His praise. When God saved us, our determined destination is to be like Christ. And He is the one that is leading me to that point. And I may look at my life and I may feel like there's, I'm wandering around and I'm aimless and there's no point to it, but I know that God is good and in His goodness He is getting me to a good place. and He is guiding me there. He is the one that led them in a good way. I know that God is always good because He sustains me during trials. He sustains me during trials. There's a lot of good comfort A lot of good encouragement that we can get from people who are around us. But there's no grace like the grace of God. There's no goodness like the goodness of God to sustain us in trials. I want to read some verses from this psalm, and I want you to see if you sort of relate to what it says. Look first in verse 22. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves thereof. Who causes the storm? God causes the storm. We're talking about his goodness, and he's the one that commands the winds and the waves. Look what happens in this storm, Verse 26, he's talking about those that go to sea in ships. They're sailors, they are fishermen. And he says, "They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths. When the great waves come, the boat is lifted up high, and it's lifted up very close to the heavens, but then the next minute you go down into the trough of the wave, and you're going back down into the depths. Have you ever been there in your life where one minute you feel lifted up and things are great, and the next minute you're down in the trough, you're down, you, you've been there, you felt this? He says in verse, the last part of verse 26, their soul is melted because of trouble. Some of you have been there. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. These sailors aren't drunk, but because of the way the ship is tossed about, they're staggering around like a, like a drunken man would. And there are times in our life we may not physically be staggering around, but we feel like we're lost, we're, we're finding I, we're finding it difficult to find our balance and our equilibrium, and there's so much going on, and we feel that storm, and we feel like we're just staggering all over the place. We can't gain our balance. And he says in the end of the verse, they are at their wits' end. I want to tell you, it doesn't take long for me to get at the end of my wits because my wits aren't long, but you know what that verse means. They are, they're at the end of their... They don't know what else to do. Have you ever been there? Have you been at that moment in your life when you said, I just don't know what else to do? I don't know. I feel like I'm staggering around. I've been tossed up. I've been tossed down. I've been thrown over here, and I'm at my wit's end. But what do they do? Look at verse 28. Then they cry to the Lord in their trouble, and He brings them out of their distresses. How many of you have been brought out of a distress by God? You've experienced. You know what this verse is talking about. That's the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that brings the storm because in that storm we are cast upon His strength. We are cast upon His goodness. And we may not want to look at the storm and we may not see the storm as good, but that is the good hand of God because everybody in this world goes through storms, but only believers can see the hand of God in the storm that is causing us to find our strength in Him. We, we say things that we mean well, and I understand what we're saying, We think that as believers, that God's going to keep us from these kind of situations. God doesn't not only keep us from them, God sometimes causes us to be in them. Now, there are situations in my life where I would not by choice go back and go through them again. But I can certainly see what God was doing when I was in that situation. As Christians, we say things like this. We say, God won't put more on you than you can handle. We need to qualify that. God won't put more on us than by His grace we can handle. And in fact, God does sometimes put more on us than we can handle, so we will learn to rely on His grace, and learning to rely on His grace is good. There's another little saying, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I want to tell you this morning, you can be blessed and stressed at the same time. And sometimes it's the blessings that cause the stressings. If you're a parent in here this morning, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Our kids are our blessings, but sometimes they're the cause of our stressings. So it's possible for the storms to not only God is good in the storm, God is the good God that caused the storm for our good. And we see His goodness. And then they cry out to Him, and He brings them out of their distresses. I thank God for seeing the goodness of God in a way that I never would have seen it before if it hadn't been for Him bringing me out of storms and bringing me out of my distresses. Verse 29, He makes the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So He brings them unto their desired Haven. What is our response to this? Verse 31, the next verse. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. God is good because he sustains me during trials. N- number five, God is good at all times because he is the one that strengthens me for the work that he gives me to do. Look in verse 36. He makes the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation and sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. They're hungry. So what does he do? He gives them opportunity to provide for their food. He gives them what they need for their their need. He could and sometimes he does provide food. We know, for example, that he fed the 5,000 by taking the the bread and multiplying it. But here they were hungry and so God gives them what they need in order to do the work that he has for them to do. He wanted them to populate the land. He wanted them to inhabit the land. He wanted them to plant farms and grow, and grow crops. And he wanted them to be a part of these cities. And so in order to do that, he gives them all that they need to do what they're supposed to do. Whatever God has for us, whatever work he has for us to do, he will enable us to do it. Now, God doesn't give us tasks that are in measure to our strength God doesn't look around and say well this person looks qualified I think I'll put them in this job God gives us the strength that is measured to the task that he has for us I was sharing with someone recently that most of my life I feel like God keeps just throwing me in on the deep end I remember one time when I was still learning to swim and my uncle thought he was going to teach me to jump off the diving board. He said, you jump off the diving board and I'll hold the life preserver. You just jump into the, the little circle. Y'all remember those little circles, you know, you jump into it. My first mistake was trusting my uncle. Trust God, but don't trust your uncle. Okay, that's the lesson for today. Got that? Because you know exactly what happened. I jumped off the diving board. <laughs> he moved the circle and I went in. I didn't learn to dive off the diving boards. I learned to not like my uncle very much. <laughs> Not still a little bit salty about that. Take that back. I'm still a lot salty about that. Now, God doesn't fool us into things, but God does sometimes put us into things that are over our heads. But He never does it without giving us everything. He gives us the strength that is measured to our task. So you may think I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not ready to do this. I'm not. No. God will give you everything that you need to accomplish what He has. For you to do. God is always good. God is good because he supplies my needs. Look in verse 38. He blesses them also. He doesn't just put them to work. Hey, grow your own crops. He blesses them so that they are multiplied greatly and suffers not. He doesn't allow their cattle to decrease. I'm glad for the verse that Paul said, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory according to his riches in glory. Now, I know right now some of you are wondering how you're going to pay the bill. Some of you are wondering how you're going to get home because you've got to stop and get a tank of gas, and you're going to have to mortgage your left kidney just to get it. And I understand that prices on everything are up, but let me tell you that inflation has never once touched the bank of heaven. He says he will meet your needs according to his riches in glory. The psalmist said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. God is going to provide what we need. He may not always give us what we want. Sometimes He does, but He won't always give us what we want. But He will provide all that we need. Well, there's some of you here today that could tell the stories and testify of all that God has done to meet needs, how God has come through at the last moment, and just right on time, at the right moment, in the right place, in the right way. And the way that he did it was so amazing that it demonstrated the goodness of God. One last thought I want you to see in verse 9, and then again in verse 43. I know that God is good regardless of what is taking place because He satisfies my deepest longings. Look in verse 9. He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. What does he fill us up with? He fills us with goodness. Look at verse 43. Whoever is wise and will observe these things. What things are we supposed to observe? What things are we supposed to obey? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works. When we praise him, when we are overwhelmed by the goodness of God... When we do that, whoever is wise and does this, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. The word there, loving kindness, is the word that is all the covenant goodness of God wrapped up in one word. And I want to tell you that that is overwhelming. And we get the opportunity to understand that and be satisfied with that. If you are dissatisfied, everything else in this life will leave you feeling empty. Only Jesus satisfies. God put a God-sized, when He created us and made us, He put a God-sized hole in us that only Christ can fill. He's the only one that will satisfy. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. If you or I are experiencing dissatisfaction with life, we're either hungering for something other than the goodness of God or we're not trusting Him for what He promised. It is His goodness that says come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest come to me ye that thirst and I will give you the water of life if you're hungry come and I'll satisfy and I will fill all those earthly basic physical needs all point us to the deepest need that we have our spiritual need that Christ satisfies and that Christ fills So the answer of this psalm, the answer to that question, is God truly good all the time? The psalmist says it is a resounding, unqualified yes. God is good at all times. There's a great hero of the faith, one of God's faithful missionaries by the name of Alan Gardner. He was a missionary on the southern end of South America. He suffered through back in the early 1800s. He suffered through physical problems, physical needs, health issues. He went hungry. He was serving alone. He experienced loneliness. He went through very challenging times in sharing the gospel. But this is what he said, While God gives me strength, failure will not daunt me. What man looks at as failure, it's not going to stop me, he said. And finally, in 1851, he died. His diary that they found laying nearby him recounted starvation, sickness, illness, loneliness, all the things that he had been through. And When they found his emaciated body and they found this this journal that he had written, the last entry just shortly before he died, He had written in a very shaky hand. He had leaned over and written as best he could. I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. God is good at all times and in all places. There is never a time in our life when we cannot say, not only is God good because of who he is, God is good. Because of what he has done. Will you bow with me for prayer this morning, please? In this moment of invitation, do you know the goodness of God? You believe that God is good. I don't know what some of you, I know what some of you are going through. I know the challenges you're facing. God's still good. Even when he's not doing in our life what we hope and want him to do and are praying for him to do, he still is good and doing good things. So maybe this morning you need to come and say, God, I want to give you praise. I'm going to trust you that you're good. Maybe this morning you just want to come and worship the goodness of God, to be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. You know, we've been through some trying times over the past few years, and yet through it all, He is still good. Whatever God may speak to your heart about this morning, maybe this morning it is the goodness of God that has brought you here and is bringing you to a place of repentance. I want you to know the good news. I want you to know that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross so that you could understand and experience our